This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. Left, right, and center in just a second, but I have to do something hugely politically incorrect, and I'm going to delight in doing this, but no, I don't want anybody to listen to this at all except my mother-in-law, okay? Nobody is to listen to this because I don't want to offend anybody. She won't be offended. She will laugh. But just in the off chance that somebody might be offended, do not listen to this little thing, okay? This is only for you, Mom. What's the difference between an Englishman removing the wallpaper from his walls and a Scotsman removing wallpaper from his walls? The Englishman is redecorating and the Scotsman is moving. There you go, Mom. That's just for you. <laughs> Brian, were you li- you're not supposed to listen, Ron. I told you not to listen. I, I, I did. I, I listened in there. Jeez. Oh, somebody know. will complain oh, look, now. the phone lines are ringing already. Yeah, somebody will Thanks complain. A lot. Politically incorrect. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, nobody was supposed to listen. That was just for Mom. Uh, Josh Lumber, Bob Metz with us today. Gentlemen, nice to see you again. Morning, Thank you. Uh, today on Left, Right, and Center, I, I want to discuss with uh, with our guests uh, uh, the issue of of national slash international ethics and national slash international trade. U.S. Ambassador Paul Salucci said yesterday that Canada, well, intimated one way or another, Canada is going to pay a price for its failure to support the Americans uh, on Iraq. Uh, last night on uh, Jim Chapman Live, we had a question that related to that. And one of our callers who joined us on the air said he didn't think that war and business had anything to do with each other and shouldn't, that whether we supported the Americans or not will have nothing to do with business. Uh, we've had uh, other commentators uh, or commenters on the uh, on the radio program taking various positions on that. Uh, and I want to ask our guests today uh, to comment on one particular call we had last week from a caller who said that we shouldn't worry about whether or not there are economic repercussions from the Americans, that we should be prepared as a nation to support our prime minister uh, in in what he felt was the appropriate ethical thing to do, and the caller felt that it was the appropriate ethical thing to do, and uh, never mind the economics. If the Americans punish us, so what? Uh, Jeff, I'd start with you. If that person made that point to you, what would you say to them? Well, I guess um, just before I would get into that point, I would say I don't I don't see a uh, big economic fallout uh, from what we're talking about right now anyway. And certainly there have been lots of times in history when we've disagreed with the United States and uh, it's uh, it's never had a substantial effect on us economically. And I have to bear in mind that although the States isn't happy with us, we're on the same side as the most of the rest of the world who we do business with. Um, when it comes to people talking about supporting your friends, we are supporting our friends around the world. Well, we do 20% of our business with them, 80% we yeah, do. They are our biggest trading partner for sure, and uh, and they're a lot bigger than we are. They talk about uh, the mouse living next to the the elephant. But uh, as far as whether or not uh, you should do the right thing, I guess yeah, being uh, being my uh, uh, pulling out my idealistic hat that uh, to the extent that you can, if you think you're doing the right thing, even though it may hurt you, that's when you are being uh, noble. You know, if you're doing the right thing and it doesn't hurt you, it's it's uh, you know benefiting you. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't. It's not hard to do it. It reminds me of uh, Johnny McDonald once talking about how uh, in his cabinet he demanded absolute loyalty. He said, you know, anybody can find people who will support me when I'm right. What I need is people who will support me when I'm wrong. Bob? Fascinating. If doing the right thing means it will hurt you, then Bush is definitely doing the right thing because he knows this is going to hurt the United States. It's going to hurt trade, going to hurt business in many ways that he would rather not have to do. So there's a person who's operating on principle. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Jeff says he hasn't seen any economic fallout. Well, maybe you don't know anybody who's doing business in the States. I know one guy in London here who does over a million a year mm -hmm. business with American customers. Mm -hmm. And every single time a Canadian politician said something, he could see his books drop off dramatically. Mm -hmm. Like it was just visible as night and day. Mm -hmm. So for anybody to think there's no effect, it's immediate. And the only well, place it's not immediate is in so long-term contracts that have yet to expire. Watch what happens when those contracts expire. Yeah. And then you'll start seeing more. Well, there's, who are they going to do business with instead of us? Well, almost anybody. They're well, buying they're American. mad at everybody. You know, everybody even, else is mad at them. And that's another England. thing. You know, that hurts Americans, too, to have to buy from America when can Canadians are offering them certain goods at a cheaper price, which that's is why they were buying from. here earlier. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that, again, is acting they on principle. They were mad at us during Vietnam. They were especially mad when we took in draft dodgers. It didn't hurt us economically then. They were mad when we went into, into World War II and they were isolationists. Uh, it didn't hurt us then. You know, we, we've had all kinds of times in history we haven't gotten along, but we are, for better or worse, uh, next door to each other when, when we, we like dealing with each other. I don't know. Well. The other thing is, we're talking about economic effects, Jeff. There's a slim majority of people in the United States who support this war. You know, all, all the lefties that I know in the United States uh, wouldn't have anything against any anything that Canada's doing. They're all perfectly happy with it. The Democrats wouldn't have any particular problem with it. Well, of course, it's because the, lefties are, the, are socialists, as is Saddam Hussein. They're all, they all come from the same mold. And right. if you look at every single person who's protesting this war, it's organized by the social, socialist left wing. That big protest in New York City, you see what was on the signs that the little kids were carrying uh, money for jobs not for war and underneath socialist worker well this is something okay we talked about and a some bit. 11 year old kid holding this sign and i'm going my god the commies are here we talked a little this bit last is week the enemy about at home there's this paradox that there, there are right-wingers that support certain wars like iraq and then there are left-wingers who support other wars like uh, kosovo and i haven't figured out why that is well, what is the difference why it is that right-wingers like the idea of going into iraq but they're not keen on going into congo for instance where there are terrific because problems they have no right interest now. there because it's irrational to go somewhere the where left you don't have do want to go into congo yeah because they're irrational and and Kosovo obviously yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> what do you need to well, know well again I expose left-wingers operate back, on then, feelings if it's the case then do you only go into wars yeah. that serve your economic interests or do you go in into, based on principle the minute the US goes into those areas that you're advocating at, now you watch the left-wingers all scream no no they're the ones because they want the ends but not the means no, 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 as no, Tony no, Blair no. has the UN so is trying to scrape together people going to Congo right now that uh, I saw something on the radio or heard some, saw something heard something on the radio a couple weeks ago about how in the last four years in Congo there have been two million people killed and I'm thinking well, why aren't we there like well, if, the, if we talk about what Saddam did 12 years ago this is happening now why isn't there a world outrage about this 2 million people talk about mass destruction have you forgotten 9-11 but we've got apparently 9-11 changed everything UN Jeff. peacekeepers in uh, Congo well, I, I don't deal with trite cliches. In this case, you've got something, a guy who did a lot of bad things a decade ago, and you've got a lot of other people who are doing a lot of bad things now. To me, you deal with the guys who are bad now. And don't get me started on whether we should be dealing with a, a crazy guy called Osama bin Laden. Do you remember him? Not particular. Anything. I know. He was, ne he was, ne know. He was never an issue. That's, That's not what this is about. 9-11 changed everything. What the What the Arab axis of power here was trying to do is trying to fight the U.S. in a different way. You, they cannot defeat... Uh, such an overpowering military force. You have to use terrorism. And by using terrorism... Well, the Iraqis you, never you, used terrorism you, against you, the United you, States. You destroy the distinction between states. You don't know who the state-sponsored person is who's, who's terrorizing you, and that's the beauty of it from their point of view. Bush has told the world, I'm not playing this game. That's, what, that's why this is the first time, this is sort of like a preemptive strike, first time the U.S. has done it that way. And 
they're basically sending a message. If we know where this terror is coming from and who's and who is funding it, et cetera, et cetera, you go after them. Because otherwise, the next century on this planet will be nothing but terror for the whole world. Well, we used to. There was a time when we actually went after Iraq, uh, Afghanistan and Saddam and uh, uh, Osama. And thank goodness the Canadians are still doing that, that that's where they're committing the resources. But I was struck the other day when one of the American missiles landed uh, in Iran. And uh, they said at the time, well, this was a mistake. And I almost wondered in my mind, well, what was the axis of evil again? There's Iraq, there's Iran in Korea, and I remember one of the American uh, guys uh, being quoted saying, you know, uh, anybody can go into Iraq, but it takes a real man to go into Iran. And I'm thinking, well, is that next year's war? You know, are we warming up well for that be. one? Oh, my God. Look at Iran now. <laughs> it's God. surrounded by Americans on both sides, right? Look at in how much... Afghanistan of, and, in, and in Iraq. You know, and now but we're finding know, that the Iraqis are not supporting this war. I did war a little bit of... We look at we're going to have to have probably, at least I remember the one, uh, the one general said several hundred thousand occupation troops in Iraq for years. You know, how many are they going to have left over to go into Iran? And then North Korea is going to be a whole other... Americans still have troops in Germany from the last Nothing's going to happen in in North Korea. North Korea is a shell game. Oh, I agree. They're They're just looking to be bought off. Well, except I think the leader there is a nut. Uh, yeah, but he's not an absolute leader. He's not a, a Saddam Hussein leader. He responds to it. There's a Politburo there that still has a lot of power, as far as we know. Yeah, I hope you're right. And well, I you mean, know. he's tra- he's traded he's traded the nuclear expertise for money before with the Americans. Put his nuclear campaign on hold. Give me billions of dollars, and I'll shut it down. And he, and they did, and he did. Well, that was the Democrats, though. That's I think he's going to do it again. I hope so. Now, you know, one thing that one dimension that's missing from this whole debate is the whole history of what happened in that area. And I just did some quick research in an encyclopedia I had at home, and I discovered that Iraq was an independent kingdom until October 1932, and it's a Turkish name because prior to World War One, Turkey basically mm-hmm. yeah, for 500 ruled years. Iraq. Yes. Yeah. And in July 1920, large reinforcements of British troops were sent there, and by November had ex- succeeded in a st- what they called establishing order. I guess the place was in chaos. And then by 1922, there was a treaty between Great Britain and Iraq. Get this. Great Britain promised to transfer the public property and public utilities to the government, which it built, by the way, to render financial and military assistance and to assist in securing for Iraq a seat in the League of Nations. Iraq promised in return, get this, to grant freedom of worship to all, to safeguard the interests of foreigners, to refrain from discrimination against the nationals of any state that's a member of the League, and to cede to to the territory Iraq to any foreign power. So basically, they've been in violation of their basic existence since since 100 years ago. They have not followed the rules that they're supposed to follow. Sounds like vile colonialism it to sure me. It sure does. Well, I, remember, I actually just finished reading a couple of books. I mean, it was all done by, by first of all, the West wanting to be nice to them and give them self-government and give them the structure and hopefully that, that it would work. And that was a big mistake well, that the West made. They didn't understand the cultural problems that were there and why democracy and freedom are not uh, ideals there in the sense that they're under, understood to be in North America. So you yeah. can't just give them w- the, the products of freedom without them earning them. Really. Well, it that seems that to way. have happened that, uh, you're right, that the British came in, they defeated the Turks, of course, in World War One, and came in and took over uh, Iraq, and then essentially, I gather, tried to democratize it, tried to establish, uh, well, they established uh, King Faisal, who I mm-hmm. guess is the Lawrence of Arabia guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the uh, actor who played him. The, anyway, uh, but anyway, that they, that they tried democracy, but essentially there was a there was a military uh, coup in '58, I think, in the first place that overthrew 53, that. Okay, and uh, and yeah, you're right that that just coming in and saying here's democracy, here's how we live. Why don't you guys live that way? It didn't seem to take there. And when I think about it, it doesn't seem to have taken really anywhere in the Middle Japan. East. What no, about in the Middle East? Yes, but why about Japan? Japan is a culture every bit as as uh, particular. 
peculiar in a non-judgmental sense as as the Middle Eastern culture. And following war, World War II, I mean, America rebuilt that country and and That's because they imposed upon Japan a sort of a constitution that was very much built on the principles of. The U.S. Yeah, no, but, the but if it wasn't popular support, it wouldn't yeah, the take. Yeah, Japanese there would people responded to it. But the it. thing with the Japanese, it's interesting, is that they're they're so adaptable. Like it was about 1860, I guess, that the black ships came in, Commodore mm -hmm. Perry, and opened them up. There had been several hundred years where they had been totally isolated yes. from the rest of the world uh, by choice, uh, and and I guess within a couple generations, they had essentially industrialized. They they defeated the Russians in a war, uh, obliterated the battle fleet. Like mm -hmm. they're extremely adaptable when they need to be, and I just don't. We haven't really seen that in the Middle East for whatever reason. And uh, and as I say, I. They talk about Kuwait being the closest thing there is to a democracy there, and it's not a democracy, of course. That essentially it's still a, a constitution or a, a monarch, I guess, and, and largely a dictatorship. And you've got these rules that are anathema to Westerners, like the women can't vote and, and all kinds of other ones. The democracy that that we like just doesn't seem to take there for whatever reason. We're going to pause for just a second. You're always welcome to join us on Left, Right, and Center. Bob Matz and Jeff Schlemmer with us today. Six four three twelve ninety is our telephone number, and we'll continue our program right after this. Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Schlemmer and Metz with us today on Left, Right, and Center, and we're talking about uh, about ethics and economics and how they are interrelated around the world. We began with uh, with the comment about the American ambassador Paul Salucci, who said that Canada will probably pay some kind of an economic price for taking what what the Canadian government believes is a principled stand. Many Canadians don't, but the Canadian government does. And so we've been talking about sort of the international ethics versus international economics, and what responsibility, I guess, too, does a government have to the country? Does the uh, liberal government have any responsibility to try to minimize potential economic fallout from its uh, from its political moves? Six four three twelve ninety is the telephone number, and we've got Emily on the line with us this morning. Hello, Emily. Yeah, um, there are so many people that are for and against uh, the war with with, with Iraq, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are trashing Canada because of it. Mm -hmm. And I I would suggest that they go to the states, join the army. Mm -hmm. And help them out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope they come home safely. All right. Thank you. thank you for the call, Emily. Amen. Actually, that's exactly what a lot of Canadians did even during the Vietnam War. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We had I a see Myron Thompson's uh, son is over there, eh? The Alliance uh, yeah. uh, uh, MP. Uh, yeah. We had, a, we had a fellow phone yesterday said that he was in the forces and he and a bunch of his buddies would uh, were very distressed that they didn't get a chance to go and stand alongside their American yes, buddies. Yes, I heard that call. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just before the break, Jeff said that democracy doesn't seem to take well in those countries over there. Well, that's because democracy is incompatible with socialism, and that's the ethics that we're talking about mm -hmm. here, the ethics of socialism. Well, it took in which uh, is why Sweden, okay? I wouldn't say so. Uh, well, I know you well, <laughs> But that, that, that gets very complex. But anyways, you're talking about the ethics. If you look at the axis here, you see basically your left-wing socialists supporting or, or being opposed to the, quote, war. They don't say anything rational. I haven't heard uh, uh, an alternative offered. I mean, if you saw that mindless diatribe in Scene Magazine like by Barry Wells last week, I was embarrassed by it. It was just a diatribe. And it said nothing. I, I'm, I would like to hear but Bob, a legitimate this whole objection thing on to socialism. the war. I mean, these countries have been around a lot longer than but socialism But what motivates has. people to... And none of the countries to, over there, yeah. Egypt, Saudi Arabia, you know, any of those countries, none of them are interested in uh, in uh, Western-style democracy. If these people were truly opposed to war and and 
in favor of life, then they should be in favor of this effort because but they're not. Hussein has to killed out. more people than this war will kill, I know, and that's just and as yet, simple as it is. The Americans it, are finding out they're not being welcomed, welcomed with open arms. I know they thought that well, was going to happen, but it hasn't happened. So now it's they like they weren't welcomed with, with open arms in Germany either, or in, or anywhere well, they, they went pretty well until were. after. That's yeah. when the history books were changed a little bit. Let me ask you uh, just a little bit, Jeff. You said that the people don't seem to want democracy. Have the people ever had a chance? Well, I would argue that, uh, you know, again, after World War One, at the very least, that you had uh, the European countries come in, France, uh, England, uh, I guess, uh, uh, that uh, in Iraq, Iran, uh, Syria, uh, Lebanon, all these countries, they tried to uh, create a Western-style democracy uh, and, and ultimately leave, uh, you know, as they did in India and in lots of other colonial countries. And what you see is that within 10 or 20 years of them leaving, though, there's a, a military overthrow of mm -hmm. the democratic government and, and I don't know I don't know enough about history to know whether they were really democratic whether everybody really got to vote whether there were meaningful uh, elections or not but I think they're probably you know judging by the experience in other countries including ours it seems like when England came in to try and establish democratic government they, they did you know it was an honest attempt to do it and and so the fact that it didn't take in in Iran Iraq and Syria these countries Egypt uh, but they had as much time as they needed here and so many people have said yeah. that 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 the, the, the that uh, a great part of the problems of the world today have to do with the First World War and the fact that Britain prematurely lost its imperial power. Mm -hmm. That had they had they maintained their imperial power a little longer, that uh, many countries around the world might have evolved the way Canada did, and the United States in in, the, in following the British tradition. Well, it, except though that it wasn't as simple as coming in and, and saying, "Here's an army that's going to occupy," uh, you know, and here over the next 50, 60 years, we're going to develop these conventions in Canada. The United States, of course, evolved totally differently. That if the Americans relatively early rejected British-style democracy and said, "We're going to have a revolution and have our do it our own way," and they've had the most successful democracy in history since then, uh, whereas Canada British-style democracy. When was that? Uh, Back at so the revolution, I didn't know there was such a thing as yeah, democracy. They said they didn't want to have the monarchy anymore, that they wanted to have a revolution well, in their own country. Okay. Whereas in Canada, we said, well, we like it the way it is. And, and it strikes me, you know, that we talk about the difference in our ethic, that I'm reminded that their sort of uh, national slogan is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In Canada, it's peace, order, order and, and government. government yeah. That's what we like. <laughs> and significant differences there. Let's go to the yeah. phones again where Tom's waiting. Hi, Tom. Hi, Jim. A uh, question for Mr. Metz. Um, you know, it seems to strike me as odd that you favor... Um, after interests over ethics. Is that a, a fair statement to you know, characterize what you've said? You know, as I said last week on the show, there are three justifiable reasons that a country can attack another or, or has a moral right to do so. One is it has to have a volunteer army. The second is that the, the government or authority that it's attacking is illegitimate. And the third reason is that you have to have an interest. The first two conditions are met in many places around the world, but the third one is not. And that's why people are always asking, well, why don't we go and liberate everyone? Well, we just can't. We don't have the resources. And and if you don't have the resources, you have to make priorities. So your priorities go to where your interests are. And that's a very pragmatic issue. That's got nothing to do with ethics. The ethics are the first two issues. Well, And that's what motivates me. As I recall from the Vietnam War, we initiated, or the United States initiated a war based on a lie that they had uh, fabricated a attack on themselves. And Yes, the that, Vietnam War was a complete fraud. I would be sitting there protesting against the Vietnam War, too, also because they, there was a military draft at that time, which was a legitimate thing to protest against. But, I but, think, we, but we did not know that it was a fraud until seven years after it began. Well, we knew there was a military draft, and if you have a moral conviction, you know that that's wrong. 
Right. I think they too can't. much. I, if I can say this, I think too much is made lately of the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which is what you're talking about. Was this this fraud that was perpetrated on the American government to get them to pass the resolution and so on and so on? If it hadn't been the Gulf of Tonkin, it would have been something else. And and I think people are making entirely too much out of that. But it was still a bad idea, though. Oh, it was a terrible idea. <laughs> the yeah, Americans absolutely didn't go was. into Vietnam to win. They kept they went in there to maintain some kind of a status quo, which was a disaster. Well, they're not thing. going into just, Iraq to win either. They're going uh, to liberate. Well, they're going to win this war, and that's what the well, difference. And the other great thing the they're doing this anywhere. time, I like this idea of what they're calling embedded reporters, mm -hmm. because what it's, I think it works both ways. Number one, it disciplines the people at the other end when they know that you're watching. And it ties, ties the soldiers to their families and to, to America in general. We're actually watching this live time. Uh, you know, a lot of people said that the war in Vietnam was brought down because of the 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 concrete visibility mm -hmm. you could see on TV, although you got it not in real time. You mm -hmm. got it maybe a few days or a week later. But that was the first time it was really brought into the into the rooms and people understood what war was. And Americans have reacted to that. They've even developed weapons that cut down on, on casualties, that implode buildings instead of explode them. Um, the effort that the Americans are exerting to avoid civilian casualties in this is again another terrible price that they are paying because they don't want to hurt these people and if they really wanted to go in there and clean things up they wouldn't be worried about that they'd be just like all the other countries on the UN who when they go to war they don't care about those things well, I think Canada does but uh, I guess fundamentally though what they're finding is that their nationalism is a tricky thing that even though you've got a leader who's who seems like a horrible guy they go in there and, and they're surprised to find that the average Joe doesn't seem to be rising up in the streets and saying well, we're glad you're here thank God you're here and it's a funny thing that when that happens and I, and I know the Americans genuinely believe getting rid of him is the best thing that could happen to the Iraqi citizens but they've they, they're not seeing that everybody in Iraq yeah, but agrees we don't, with them but we don't know that yet we haven't well, the Americans and the Iraqi citizens have not met in any large numbers at no, all yet but the soft area was supposed to be the south where the Shiites were and that mm -hmm. uh, in Basra there was an uprising in the last war and there and it doesn't seem to be taken so off So I have to imply from that that you're saying that these people are very content that their government can come and rape them, mutilate them, kill them, cut their well, tongues Well, that's what I mean. The Americans kill make their the logical arguments and then they're, they're shocked when they find that. people shooting at them over there and they're finding oh. a lot more... Gentlemen, we've, uh, we've run out of time today. I thank both of you for a stimulating discussion. As always, look Thanks, forward Jeff. to seeing you again next time. Uh, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz joining us today on Left, Right and Center.